Oh, hey, it's you again. Welcome back to Getting It Out Podcast. Whether you're a frequent listener or even just a first timer, I want to thank you for clicking on the episode. I know there's a lot of options, a lot of podcasts to pick through and listen to. And this time you chose Getting It Out. If you like what you hear on this episode or maybe what you've heard in the past, I want to ask you to consider joining the gettingitout.net Patreon, where you'll get early ad-free access to interviews, sometimes weeks before they air. It only costs $2 a month, and hey, once you set it up, it's like making beef jerky in the 90s. You set it, and you forget it. You'll get email updates each time I post an episode exclusive to the Patreon. And though the cost is low for you, your support makes a huge impact on what I can continue to do with gettingitout.net and Getting It Out podcast. If you're interested, check the link in the show notes or head over to patreon.com slash gettingitoutpodcast. Thanks for hearing me out, and enjoy this episode of the show. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. 
Welcome to episode 82 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was a song called Survivor's Guilt by the band Departed out of, New, I believe, New Jersey. I think that's fair to say they're from New Jersey. That's, uh, that's out on uh, Upstate Records. Uh, check that out. Either it just came out or it's coming out soon. I don't know. I lose track. But uh, yeah, go go find them. It's, it's uh, I guess, mostly hardcore, but there's a whole lot of different uh, metals in there. There's some black metal. There's some death metal. There might be some aluminum. I don't know. You gotta look real hard. That was a good dad joke. Keep that. Keep keep, keep in score. That's what I do here. Anyway, um, on this episode, we're talking about other kinds of metal. Uh, you might call it doom metal. You might just call it a classic heavy metal. But I got the band, the band, and this is unusual. I got the band Crip Sermon uh, on this episode to talk. Now it's not the whole band. I I assume there's like five guys in the band, so I have more than half. I had three guys from the band, and uh, you're going to hear my conversation with them. They have a new record coming out. I forget what it's called. What's that record called? It's called uh, The Ruins of Fading Light, and that'll be out on probably uh, what's Dark Descent. That's that's probably the one. Um, here soon. So uh, naturally, that's, that's what we talked about. <laughs> what else? I think you know the formula by now. But if you don't, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, 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 last week I, m- I made this long, uh, this intro really long. And this week I'm only making it a little bit long because I'm talking about how last week's was really long. So why don't we just get, get to it and uh, go into, <laughs> go into the, the thing. Here we go. Let's do it. I started doing a podcast I thought I found my calling But there's something more There's a little something more I think I can reach into I got a little more in me I need to get it out Just like the podcast It's Getting It Out rap song From the Getting It Out podcast And it feels powerful I think you feel it too I think you feel it too But there's certain things that need to be said Because I was thinking about it a lot lately What exactly was I was thinking about? I'll have to break it down here, just a little bit for you. I was sitting at home trying to relax when I realized a podcast needs a rap. It sound way better with they thought back, but I gotta spit quick on these Amish cats. Well, big horse of shit on rumble strips. Zeb sits back with a hundred kids, but I know how shallow that gene pool is. So what did he do with his cripple kin? How do you tell the time at night when the sun don't shine on the dial bright? Well, Von Scott's lives the hard rock life. Singing on the streets underneath the lights. I got grocery lists of shit I don't like. Gonna run them by old Mike on ice and like cops step a day with the butt drug tips. This podcast will flip your lids. So that's what I sing about on the song for the podcast. It's getting it Okay, so here we are on the other side of that wonderful rap song, um, and, and and presenting to you yet another episode of Getting It Out podcast. Eighty-two, eighty-two weeks in a row. Mm. 
Sorry, sorry, I sound like shit. And you know what it is? It's all allergies. I, 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 I think. I, I always do this thing where I, I convince myself and everybody around me that I have allergies. It's my allergies that are real bad. And then like four days into it, I'm like, okay, fine, I have a cold. But, you know, I, I was still able to do the things that I need to do. But it just uh, makes everything a little more miserable. You know, I got I got a little... I'm running everywhere. It's my nose, my throat. It's uh, it's not, not quite so bad that it goes that far south. But it could be, you know, if I let it. I, I don't know what that means. Suppose uh, you don't either. That's good. Let's keep it that way. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 not much else going on this week. This week is, is this week sucks. Let's I'll be blunt. This week sucks. Um, first of all... Uh, this all right. This is this is a little bit in jest, but also seriously, that 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 pedophile uh, supposedly hung himself over the weekend. I think uh, even those who aren't conspiracy theorists don't believe that shit. I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist at all. But come on, like we're supposed to believe that, huh? That's that's just the way it is, I guess. That's the way a corrupt ass country is. Uh, and, and and to go along with that corruption, I had a I had a, I had an experience in uh, the legal system this week that was just a little I, I got to be real vague, but it was just don't worry, it's not because I'm a criminal, um, but it was just uh, it, it was so disheartening to see that this uh, system that we're told is in place for our good is just total bullshit. It's total bullshit. It does it doesn't it's it's everybody's uh, push. Everybody's pushing their own calls, and uh, sometimes, in my case, you don't even get the chance to speak your side. You just uh, have to accept and agree to things that uh, you know in your heart are very wrong, and uh, it's unfortunate. But you know, what more can I do? What more can we do? We gotta. We just gotta pretend that uh, that child molesters. And pedophiles hang themselves uh, under watch. You know, whatever. 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 Fuck. Let's get to something better. I don't know what is better. This beer I'm having is better. This beer is pretty good. I tell you, I, I was doing this thing. I'm having a little a little get-together in a couple weeks for uh, for my friends. I haven't had over to my new house yet um, since I got married. So I'm doing that. And I was like, you know, for, for a couple weeks there, I was like saving one or two of the good beers that I would buy, and uh, just this week, in, in the midst of uh, the, all the shittiness, I was like, you know what? Why am I saving this good beer for <laughs> for other people? They could drink the trash. They could drink the Natty Bow. They can drink the uh, Shock Top or uh, Bud Light. They can have that. I'll drink the good stuff now, and uh, when they get here, they can finish all my garbage beers. So, uh, if you were invited, or if you are going to be invited. Bring if you want good beer, bring it yourself because I'm drinking all the good ones. Anyway, um, I the band again that I had on this time around is uh, Crip Sermon, and uh, they got a new record coming out, The Ruin of Fading Light. And I don't know if you were familiar with them when they released uh, Out of the Garden, but they're 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 a sweet band. Sweet? Don't I take that back? That's that's almost an insult to call them a sweet band. It's an insult to call anybody a sweet band. Is it though? I think some people might be stoked about that, but all right, they're they're a good band, 
and I, I enjoy their past record and I enjoy their upcoming record and I think you will too otherwise I wouldn't have had them on here that's not true I'll do whatever I want on here uh, till the day it ends and I think you're going to see that with some upcoming guests I think some of you might uh, shake your fist wag your finger at me about some of the people that I'm going to have come on here uh, but uh, here's the thing that's really important that you understand I don't care I don't care what uh, your opinions are of uh, who or what I have on. Now you're going to be like, what the fuck? What kind of pedophile is this guy about to have on? Like, relax. Get the pedophiles off your mind. Uh, no, it's it's just a uh, musical taste that I think uh, some of you, some of you uh, people, I, I'm trying to contain my insults, some of you people uh, care too much about. But. Uh, we like what we like, and I like Crip Sermon, so I had Crip Sermon on this one. I had three guys from Crip Sermon. Uh, Enrique Sa- Sagarnaga, I uh, probably uh, said that one wrong, but that's the way I was going to say it that one time. Uh, Brooks Wilson and Steve Jansen, that's the that's the bass, vocals, drums, guitar. I realize that's four instruments there, three guys. Uh, sort them all out. Actually, I'll just tell you, Brooks does the bass and the vocals, Enrique does the drums, and Steve does guitars. Two other guys in that band, by the way, James and Frank. They're not on here, though, so we don't need to talk about them. So James and Frank, fuck you. I'm just kidding. I, I don't even know who you are. But uh, So I was thinking the other day when I was driving uh, and I saw a truck, I, I, I got this thing where I think my next vehicle. Right now I'm, I'm, I'm rocking a Hyundai Elantra, by the way, four-door. No, that two-door pussy shit. Is there a two-door Elantra? I don't know. But anyway, I got four-door 2010 Elantra, baby. Yeah. Um, paid off. Don't worry about it. No no lean on me. Um, but uh, anyway, so I, 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 in a year or two, probably, who knows, whatever. Whatever this one breaks down, I'm going to need a new car. And I was thinking I want either an SUV or a pickup truck. And somebody's like, you can't drive a pickup truck. You're not a pickup truck guy. I'm like, yeah, you know, you might be right about that. But I, I do think... It's time that I uh, that I get one, but there's the concern, and I don't know if I really want a pickup truck. There's just a concern that you buy a pickup truck, and then you're you're like the first guy on the on the phone list when it comes to moving time for anybody, and I think that I, I, that would be putting myself in a little bit of danger because I'm I'm off the list now. I I. I I managed to get myself off of the moving guy list, not just by having an Elantra, but by myself, I moved so many times and got so little help that there's no way somebody could come to me and ask me to help them move. That'd be ridiculous. I've, I moved by, by myself like three times in one year, all my things. So, uh, so, so no, I don't owe anybody any favors. And the two guys, there's two guys that helped me move like three times ago down in Baltimore. They helped me move from like one neighborhood to the other. It was a real quick thing. But one guy, uh, he moved to Florida. So he's out. I don't I don't got to I, I don't got to help him move. He moved he moved to, to you know to, to the other end of the country. The other yeah, the other end, not the other side, the other end. Um, and the other guy, after Trump got elected, he became a white white supremacist because, you know, that's what most skinheads are anyway. So I don't gotta. I, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not really kidding. I think he's, a, you know, like a Nazi now. So I don't gotta help that guy anymore. He just eliminated him from my moving list thing, and that's pretty convenient. So if there's one thing that I can say that I'm happy about uh, Donald Trump getting elected is that now I don't gotta help this guy move. So you know, principles. But uh, that's that, that. That was my deep thought of the week, and uh, I. I, I, another thing I was thinking, I think it's odd when people uh, say 
that they're like an onion and they have a lot of layers because that's one that's only one uh one characteristic of an onion they also stink and make people cry and i think those two uh outweigh the layers so if you want to be like an onion and have a lot of layers just understand that you probably stink and make people cry too and i'm quite frankly not so sure that that is worth it anyway as i said i kind of i kind of feel like shit you know so uh I'm not going to ramble on much longer here. I'm going to play you a song from Crip's sermon, and then I'm going to go into my interview with Enrique Brooks and Steve from Crip's sermon. This one is called Christ is Dead. Enjoy.
Hi, Daniel. Hey, this is me. Who's this? Hey, how's it going? This is Enrique. Hey. Enrique. Who else we got here? Uh, uh, Steve. And this is Brooks. Wow. I've never had three guys at once like this before. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Many first. I sound like a sorority girl. <laughs> there was a joke in there. Yeah, yeah of course. Get it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, um, thank you all for, for joining me. Of course, you're all from the band Crip Sermon, correct? Indeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you're all from a lot of bands, too, so I guess it could be anything, right? That's that's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enrique and Steve are in David together. Steve and I have been in bands for 10 years. Yeah. Well, all right, yeah, but this one specifically, we're talking about Crip Sermon. This combination of fellows is Crip Sermon. That's awesome. Well, I, 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 uh, I mean, I'm going to ask you all the, the usual stuff, but I always like to start off um, a little different and I, it's a question that I've asked several people on on Getting It Out podcasts and it's, it's yet to be solved it's more of an opinion thing but I want to know in, in each of your opinion is a conjoined twin one or two things? Mm. The hard hitting question Yes well, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, think I think a conjoined twin is, is by definition two things because they're twins they have two brains, so it's like two people. Otherwise, yeah, it'd be sort of like extra limbs. Don't some have two hearts, too? Yeah. <laughs> I, some of them do. I think there's been some that share, like, torso anatomy. Because there's definitely conjoined twins that have, like, they are split off. These are, like, really famous, these two gals who just, like, have two heads. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you know Daniel, but in Philadelphia we have the Mutter Museum. Yeah, it's like I, a museum of uh, <laughs> medical curiosities. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I remember they had some sort of display for like a, a famous pair of conjoined twins, and it might be two women. I, I might be wrong though. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's two different people, kind of. The conjoined. display at the Mutter is um, the the twins who were split at the waist so they had two separate torsos ah yeah there you go right, two see, legs yeah see that's that's the confusing sorry so here's where I where I get I start debating with people so is that <laughs> is that a with is that a pair of conjoined twins or do you need two different conjoined twins to be a pair of conjoined twins and we I can, this could go on forever anyway we're here. Um, it's a, it's, I think it's a pair because it's like scissors. You have a pair of scissors. A pair of pants, I'm maybe. A little, slow to pro- a little slow to process this. I need to take some time to digest that question and really think about it. <laughs> oh, good, good. See, I told you I wanted to start this off uh, appropriately. So, what what I really want to talk to you guys about is. Uh, is the ruins of fading light, which is your new album, correct? Mm-hmm. And yep. that 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 doesn't come out for a little bit, does it? Uh, it's well, we got about a month. month. Yeah, that's, right, that's that seems seems like seems like so long. Because when we go into summer or September, I feel like that means summer's over. I'm just not ready for that yet. Because I'm I'm right near, near you guys. I'm over in Lancaster, so I'm not that far away. So season, oh, okay. seasonally, I can't. I can't, I can't, I gotta make September far away, but that, that record's coming out on Dark Descent, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. 
And uh, this is only – it's only your second record, but I feel like I've seen the name Crip Sermon around for much longer than that. And I think it's because you made such an impact with Out of the Garden back in 2016 that uh, that you've, you're already a reputable name, I guess. Um, and what, what I'm wondering is and, – and though I have heard it, in your opinion – what is different about uh, the ruins of fading light as opposed to out of the garden? Steve, lay it out. I mean, I, I think really, really is it's as simple as just, it's just this huge jump in quality. I think in every way, songwriting is better. The production's better. The performances are better. Um, there's some fresher ideas. Uh, we just had a clearer vision and picture of what we wanted to do. Whereas in out of the garden, we we're still a new band and kind of feeling things out. Right. So we just kind of we kind of whipped together some songs and then we went into the studio and recorded them and hoped for the best and that was out of the garden. This time we had a much clearer idea of what we wanted to do. Yeah. And we spent a lot more time on the songs and just like the material in general. It's been a long time so we've just had we've had more time to work on it. So. Did did this one feel harder to create? I know sometimes with the first record comes kind of you know it's it kind of comes quick, but with the sophomore it seems to be a little more of a struggle. Did you experience that this time around? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know. I think yes and no because I mean I can say for me personally uh, there was definitely pressure, uh, and I was that I was definitely trying too hard for like when we first started writing for the next record. And I think we were all just, I mean, we were, there was lots of stuff going on. Like we had, like in our personal lives, you know, we're all adults. Right. We all have lives and, you know, Brooks has family. So, um, but yeah, it was just, we kind of lost momentum and we're just trying too hard for a while. So we kind of took a break, bagged all the stuff that we had been writing. Cause we, just it just wasn't up to snuff took a break and then we came back fresh and um it came together pretty quick um i think was was there yeah, a we moment took then? about a go year ahead. off yeah go ahead sorry yeah. you took a year off i'm sorry you can go ahead <laughs> yeah yeah we took about a year off I, um not like mostly just to kind of clear our heads it, it wasn't a year off from each other or anything like that but it's sort of uh just a step back from writing it, it wasn't really like a year it was more like three months <laughs> but we were, yep. the whole idea was you know we were taking some time after we we were definitely going to take some time after a string of live events we had like just like fest after fest for right. two years and we couldn't really dedicate a ton of time to writing I think the quality of material that I think we were up to so we had we were all cranking out tunes, James and Steve being the primary writers, and occasionally I'd write a song, but uh, this time around I didn't have any songs on this album. But um, we, the the songs that we ended up with, I think we didn't feel satisfied with, especially James, who the songs that he wrote, he would he would you know sit with them for a little while, and he was like, "Nah, I don't really like it." And then I think we all kind of coalesced around a. a more cohesive theme too i think the bathory influence is a lot more present on the new album yeah i think um it you know it's progressive in a lot of different ways the music is darker and more emotional and right. i think we were 
all starting to write in that direction. Yeah, that makes it. Well, I, I want to ask then, since you all, you guys all say it kind of, the, the wheels kind of came off there for a little bit, and, but, it, but it seems like it was a collective thing. What was like the, was there a moment where you all kind of like, was there something that happened that were like, all right, this shit isn't cutting it? Or was it just a feeling? We're just all really busy. We're yeah. just really busy. I think it yeah. also stems from the fact that, like, uh, you know, I think in a handful of other interviews, at least I know I have said, that I'm not traditionally by any means, like, a doom metal guy. Yeah. I don't think really any of us would categorize ourselves as strictly doom metal guys. Yeah. So it's not one of those all. things where um, the, the stuff that we write, we have to absolutely love it or else we're not going to really have patience for it. Um, and when you fall into kind of like a cycle of, okay, like, okay, here's a riff. Okay, cool. Now we put this next riff to it. Okay. Like this works, but does it really actually like feel good to play? And does it actually, you know, kind of sustain my, my attention and and entertain myself like as a musician? Sure. Um, you know, when you're not hitting that, like you, you need to just step back because you know, it's almost kind of like writer's block or kind of getting into a funk, uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think a big part of the reason why that happened with us, where we scrapped like you know so much material, was just because we needed to love it first and foremost, and it, it needed to feel like it needed to feel right, and it, and it and it just didn't. And I think um, that's actually definitely a pattern, like a mistake that I think a lot of doom metal does do, where someone will find a great riff and they'll definitely write like a a song around it but man it doesn't really go anywhere sometimes sure you know and you end up having a great riff and there it is but the rest of the song really isn't there and, and for us i think as a band what we definitely learned on the first record was that the material that we ended up recording and then we kind of refined after we put the record out by playing it live so much um you, you know you end up making the songs better live than you did recording them and this time around, we wanted to make sure that that kind of wasn't the case either. So it needed to feel like it needed to feel like songs we've been playing for years, right. you know, going into the studio, and that's that's what makes them great now, I think, um, and, and that's kind of what makes them so much different. And kind of what Steve said, like a leap above where we were on the first one. Yeah, and I, yeah. I get that. And I, I could, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, just to piggyback on Enrique. Yeah, I think really the whole. I think any band um, in any style, like if they consume too much of the same music of said style, it gets samey. Yeah. And and for me personally, I haven't. I there wasn't a single doom record or album that influenced me personally on like my contributions to this record. Sure. So. Well, I I, w- I was going to ask you about that because I I don't I mean I know. Uh, Crip Sermon gets uh, put under the doom genre, but I mean, at, at least on this record, I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe, okay, there's some Candlemas ish stuff going on there, but really it's more capital H, capital M heavy metal. And, you know, sure. like, yeah, and, and, and so I was, so I was, I was going to bring that question up then. Did you feel pigeonholed by this doom genre tag? But I think, I think that's what you're saying. Um, I don't think we definitely, we definitely like walking the line between right. that. Um, we're also just still trying to like, you know, expand the doom sound a little more. Um, I'm not sure if we quite 
gotten there just yet, but you know, I mean, I think we're, I'd like to think we're onto something. Yeah. But we'll see. Well, I, I think, I think to... what you guys have been part of and are, are showing yourselves as part of, and uh, there's been a few other bands that have done it, is this doom metal, if we're going to call it that, that is also kind of, and I mean this in a very good way, it's kind of lighter and it's not as, I mean, it's it's so far. I guess where I struggle with calling things like this doom, as opposed to something that's like funeral doom, is it's so far away from each other. It just maybe has some sure. slow. It just has some slow riffs. So like to throw. I think it, we like funeral doom. I think all of us in the band are are generally positive, like in regards to funeral doom. But right. but we don't tune our guitars super low. Sure. And the bass isn't the loudest thing in the world, but I still think the essence of doom is the essence of heavy metal. You know, you can't deny that there's a black Sabbath influence. Right. Right. And I, and I think that that is both doom and that capital H capital M heavy metal. Um, but I think we're not afraid to kind of push out of the epic doom formula. Sure. I think, I think we, we don't feel pigeonholed by it. But we also don't feel like we're a retro band. We're just making music that is interesting and challenging to us. And, and, I mean, yeah. I, I, th- I think that's a great way to put it. And it, sound, it sounds fantastic. R- regardless of whatever we're calling it, the, the new record I've listened to quite a few times now, it sounds great. And, um, I, well, this is a, more of a band dynamic question I have for you. Because, like I said, I, I, I mean, other, joking aside, I've never had three guys willing to jump uh, jump in on an interview to talk about one band, one record. Um, so, but in my experience in a band, though, there's all and from talking to other people in bands, there's always kind of one guy that kind of handles things. So, is there? Do you does Crip Sermon have the traditional band dad, or do you all, or is it uh, my three dad situation here? There's a division um, of labor that happens, I think. <laughs> Steve and James write most of the songs. James handled quite a lot of songwriting on this album. Correct. Um, I handle all the lyrics. I handle all the sort of um, visual direction. Um, I handle the money when I have to. Um, but uh, I think everybody knows their, their place. And, you know, it's it's a fairly democratic operation as well. Enrique keeps us in line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Enrique, Enrique is kind of, so he's uh, kind of the dad kind of, he's kind of yeah. got that role. Uh, yeah. I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I said, we, you, we, we all need, they, every band needs one, right? Um, are you, are you all, are you all native to Philadelphia? Is this where you guys are all from? No. Uh, yeah. We're, I'm not. We're, I'm not from. I don't think any of us are from Philadelphia, but I mean, we live here. Yeah, we all do live here. In the yeah, area. that's an interesting thing because, like, for for myself, living down in, in, I was down in Baltimore for years, and it didn't feel like anybody was from Baltimore, and no, nobody I knew was actually from Baltimore. They just, but everybody was there, and that seems to be the case with a lot of people that I know in Philadelphia too. But um, speaking of Philadelphia in particular, like, I know, I mean, there's huge. Philadelphia just has this um, big, big presence in underground extreme music, whatever you want to call it. Whether it's the the, the world renowned hardcore scene or the things that are based out of there, like the Decimal Magazine and Relapse Records, and you know everything seems to happen in Philadelphia. I don't know; it's just a, a weird thing. What, what do you think? 
makes that such a fertile ground for extreme uh, I, music? I can, I can answer that question. It's its proximity to New York without having to deal with New York prices and parking. <laughs> uh, no, like for real, I, you know, as of this recording, I, I work for Relapse Records. Before yeah. that, I worked for Season of Mist Records. Um, and, I mean, I, I know that for both of those companies, aside from the fact that, you know, people live or are from Philadelphia historically there, um, being this close to New York without being in New York is a pretty advantageous situation economically. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not well-versed enough in Philadelphia's hardcore history to pretend to have a hat with that. I, I um, But, you know, obviously it's pretty ingrained in the Philadelphia culture. And I think with... Uh, with like the underground, the extreme underground metal stuff, I think that's also kind of a byproduct of the, the pretty extreme punk scene um, that the city has always had. I know, I know that Brooks and Steve predate my time here, so I think in some aspects they can definitely that's, speak to that. Yeah, too. the playing in punk bands is what brought me up here. I, before I lived here, I was in a, a punk band, couple bands, and we toured. We hit. It was, there was a there was a kind of touring route from Savannah all the way up to New York City before you before you hitched over to go to the uh, Midwest and yeah Philly was like I just established a bunch of connections with the people in I think they were like mostly like grindcore bands and right. kind of on the fringe of you know what you call punk or metal to kind of like live in that that zone in there and and. Yeah. Uh, that's what brought me up here. Um, and then by the time I moved up here, it wasn't, but maybe one or two years after living here that Steve and I started playing in a band together. So, in the, and that was the, the grindcore band that we were in. Yeah. So I, I mean, there's I, a huge scene. The punk, the punk and metal scene is huge in Philly. Yeah. I, I knew nothing about the Philly scene prior to moving here. I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which is like four hours North. And, um, I had a friend my freshman year of college. Well, hold on a second. What, kind what, of, what part of Pennsylvania did you say? Sorry, I just didn't understand. Uh, oh, Williamsport. Williamsport. I went to college there. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. 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 I um, yeah, I lived there, and I was – it was – a friend and I were at, in college freshman year, not really know what we were doing, and then he was from around here, and he was like, do you want to come to Philadelphia? And I was just like, I'm not sure. So, you know, I, I knew nothing about it, but I wanted to – Chase my heavy metal dreams, <laughs> <Right>. I guess, <laughs> or whatever. But you know, here I am. Well, I think I, I think yeah, it's yeah, cool. I, Go ahead. I did. I was just. Gonna say, I didn't move here because I wanted to uh, like find a scene or some people to play in a band with. That's that's why I came. Well, and I, I've had other people from other bands, from other Philadelphia bands, whether it's a uh, hardcore, or punk, whatever, on on here, uh, metal, and it's it's everybody is. No, everybody lives in Philadelphia, but is not from there. I just think it's fascinating. Including my my daughter lives there too, and I'm I'm literally there every week, picking up and dropping off my daughter. And like, it's just funny how much how people gravitate towards that city and then stay in the uh, stay into the scene. And I never I never would have uh, thought about the actual logical um, stuff about the being close to Phil or New York City without paying the tolls technically. But that's very smart. Oh, that's yeah. probably something onto that, or onto something with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- going back to to your well, no, actually, let's stick to the 
Let's stick to those two cities in particular and talk about your record release shows you got coming up in both places. The one, the one thing I want to ask before we talk about them is they're they're like a they're almost exactly a month apart. How'd that happen? Uh, it's just actually logistics. Uh, the truth of it all is we booked the Philadelphia show, uh, to be one week prior to the album release date so that people who were at the show could get the record a week early from us if they wanted to do that. Right. Kind of a little special thing. I did have a different show for us booked in the same month in New York, but sometimes, you know, things either fall through or plans change. And the reality was, uh, this idea kind of came about. Um, centering the book, uh, the Peter Best book release for Sacred Bones Records, um, and because you know his new photo book is all about heavy metal, right. and he, he wanted you know trad metal and doom metal bands to play the show. I figured, man, like that would be that would be great for not only us, but it, it'd be cool just to add ourselves to what is already like a pretty strong bill. Yeah. And you know, Steve and Peter have met in person before. Uh, back when Steve played with uh, the other that um, Eternal Champion in Europe, he played guitar with them. And uh, I mean, Steve, you, you can speak to this better than I could. But um, yeah, he, he photographed Steve. He got to know Steve on my end too. Um, I, I know Peter through the Sacred Bones Records connection there. And um, I mean, I like what he does. You know, I believe in what he does, and it's a really interesting book too. So I figured, man, like this would be cool for, for New York. This is this is a great bill and it's a really rare bill. And that's something that we as a band like to do. Like we, we don't tour out right. much. So when we play, we like it. We like it to be more than just a show. Like it's a special evening for whatever reason. And this is definitely like along those lines. I'm pretty sure both of these shows are going to be uh, pretty unique experiences, even as far as our shows are concerned too. We've got some, some cool things planned. Good. Uh, what well, we should say, we should say for the people who, who, who listen to this? This the the first one is September sixth, and that's at what, yep. what's what's that place? Uh, how, oh, you really got to call it by its full name. I'm not that's saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing it. That's I'm trying to get you to do it. Philadelphia Mausoleum of Contemporary Art. Yeah, that's or ridiculous. Philomoca for Phil, short. Philomoca. It, it, it really is an old mausoleum. That's pretty pretty cool. Or it, it's actually a mausoleum and gravestone vendor, Finian Sons Mausoleum Supply Company. Wow, I didn't I didn't know that at all. I just yeah, I just thought it's it was a ridiculous name. Yeah, with that, that is cool. With that history. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so that's that's the, then, that's the six with the that's with eternal eternal champion. And how do I say this? Yeah. Na- this San. San, how do I say Sanhedrin. that? Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin. All right, and Plague Dog, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And then been, I've been wanting to play with Plague Dogs forever. Who's Plague Dog? I don't. I don't. Dogs. I'm not. I'm not familiar with them. Who are they? They're great. They're a great, like punk band, um, heavy metal punk band from Philly. Cool. Cool. And then, yeah, and then, kind of the, Motorhead and NFC influenced, great band. Great awesome. band. I'll check. I'll check them out if I can find them. And then there's uh, the, the October fourth in Brooklyn. And that is you mentioned the book, the Defenders of the Faith, uh, book yeah. release, and that's that's a photography book, right? Like you were saying. Yep. And that's with. Uh, all right. See here. Here's this thing I get. I do all the time. Like I, I can listen to a band for years and still not know how to say their name correctly. <laughs> and I. So is it is it Visigoth? Yeah, Visigoth. Yeah. Yeah. Visigoth. See, I see. I was quite quite a little bit off, but not bad. And Magic Circle and Sanhedrin, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Finally got it. I, I, I've, 
I, I've, I bring this up all the time. Like, I don't know about you guys, but the, like metal bands, like, of course they pick ridiculous names, but sometimes I just don't know what I'm supposed to say. So, yeah. so, so it gets a little weird, but I don't know who, who keeps the rules on this stuff. But I, what I do want to ask you guys about is your album artwork for this record. And where did this come from? Well, I did the artwork. You but, did the uh, Yeah, yeah. I painted uh, the cover art and there's a, there's a poster on the inside. Oh, is this uh, like, is that what you do? Or is this just... I wish it's what I did all the time, but no, it, it, it is not what I do as a job. But, uh, but certainly do um, some album art and painting for fun and for bands or do some... You know, got some work coming out for some other bands soon. So, yeah, um, the, the cover art's um, oil on paper, which isn't too terribly common to use. Yeah. And the uh, inner art is, uh, the original is on oil on canvas. It's a, it's a real big piece. Yeah. And uh, how does that, how, how does that work then? I, I, I just explain this, like, how does it go... How did it go from something you paint on canvas to like the whatever will be? I don't know. Is that going to be like the gatefold or I don't know what? Yeah, it'll be a yeah, it'll be an included poster. The uh, oh, okay, okay. okay. I guess. So how how does that happen when you we go from a painted canvas to a to a poster? Well, you have to have someone photograph it. Okay, so it's on a large scale. So it's just a fo- I, I'm a I'm a printer too. This printer is what I do. By yeah, trade. So yeah. so I'm curious in that in that part. So. So somebody just a, a very good photographer comes in, I guess. That's right. You got to get it lighted correctly, and then ah. um, and then edited and Photoshop a little bit. Uh, I just you know one thing that's tough. Uh, I had a had a guy. Um, I did an art, album art for him, and we got it photographed. And uh, he emailed me back, and he's like, "Here it is. It's like the large scale format." And he's like, "There's all the the dust and all these hairs in there." And I was like, "What you don't know is that's actually in the paint. You just can't see it because when you light that stuff with good lighting, yeah, it's illuminating the layers of paint. So all the all the hairs from the paintbrush and the dust that you can't see, it's all on the painting, and you just got to live with it. It's, it. it's one one thing that we uh, painters have to live with." Like once you, once you're done with your painting, you get it into the digital state. And it's like, well, there it is. That's, huh. that's what it's like now. I never thought about that. Is it is <laughs> is this uh is so is this like a is this something that you yourself get to kind of control because you're doing it, or do you allow input from the other guys on this on the artwork? In the in the case of the uh, in the case of the album art, I, I kind of like. With the with the gatefold or with the poster that's included, that was a lot of it is based around the lyrics, and I had actually been working on it for it. That took about a year to complete if you add it up all the time. But I, you know, there there was big breaks in in working on it. Um, but it that was all incorporated from the lyrics that were going to be on the album. The the themes didn't change as we even as we scrapped songs. A lot of the themes stayed did the same and then the uh front cover art um was a was pretty much my brainchild but uh, but i handled it a little more democratically than than the poster art yeah um I, w- I would send it to enrique and james and run ideas by them i i think um 
we had several ideas about what the front cover art would be, but at a certain point, it just needed to be something. It just needed to be something that worked as a gatefold because the, the front cover art is also a gatefold. It opens up you, right. and there's, there's a painting. There's, you know, continued painting on the back. Gotcha. All right, all right. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the back, although I probably have it, but I haven't looked at it yet. I haven't seen the uh, the. I haven't opened the files yet that that I got, but I've seen the cover art, and I think it looks awesome. And I, well, that's the, one of my favorite things about. And I know this is like really corny and stupid and obvious for like fans of heavy metal, but like it's just how how much more fun it is to have like good artwork on a, on an awesome record than just to have some bland bullshit that you know. I don't know. It's, but I, but I so I appreciate things like this. And does this feel like a an, an advantage um, for the band to have like your own in house artist? Like I mean, it's got to be right. You don't got to fucking farm it out. I mean, yeah, I, I think so. Like, I mean, from a you know pragmatic standpoint, you save a shitload of money, right? Right. <laughs> and right. Uh, I mean, also Brooks. He, because he he writes the lyrics he also i mean to speak for you brooks but like you also like you have the vision and like the aesthetic for to project it so it's just it's a win-win yeah there's a content control element to it i don't have to worry about something not fitting with my um i idea of what the the art should be so i mean if if no one else is happy with the art i mean i'm Sometimes I'm I'm critical of the 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 uh, performance of the art, but uh, but at least the content of the art I'm usually satisfied with because it's like I know what I know all the little elements that are in there. There's a lot of little, East, not even Easter eggs. They're pretty plain as day in the art, but like you know, as we as we talk amongst ourselves in the band, I'm like, oh, I'm putting this in, and I'm putting this in, and we'll be like, oh yeah, that's cool, that's cool. Right. There's, a, there's a little like you know rosy cross on the base of the of the coffin on the cover, and uh, like lots of little things that that very much are interrelated into the like subtext of the lyrics. Well, is there overall a theme for this record? Is there any kind of con- conceptual thing going on here? It's kind of more like broad strokes. Um, the the it, the theme of the record is is no different than the theme of the last record and that is sort of this mission statement that I think we pair with everything and that we are doomed. Um, the, the way we communicate that has changed a little bit. This album is definitely more emotional and, um, and, and their lyrics are set sort of, they're more personal lyrics set to kind of a late medieval and early Renaissance backdrop. Um, trying to, move us a little through history um you know as far as our um as far as our you know historical fiction that that we place our our uh i guess theme in but uh but there's there's no no deviation from our central message right right well so so there's a little um it's introspect, you know, it's a little. It's a little more introspective, I guess. Is what you might be saying there. It's quite a lot more introspective, right. I think. But it, and and it, it's also just sort of it. There's, it, I wouldn't say that there's any politics to it, but there's there's definitely some social commentary. Sure. Um, 
to it, or maybe just sort of like my relationship with the with the outside world. Well, I that's don't even know if it, it if it's social commentary. That's something I, I wanted to ask, ask each of you is. Um, I mean, musical influences are something that uh, anybody with little knowledge on the genre can, just heavy metal in general, can kind of point out and see and hear. And but but I think there, I think not for sure, but most people have uh, little inspirations uh, musically or you know whatever that inspires them to write or perform perform music a certain way that might surprise other people to hear is there anything for each of you that inspires you as a musician that might be a surprise to somebody so i think uh there's there's a couple things and i think to kind of tie it back to what brooks was saying about the thematics of the record yeah um i i think one of the important things to us as a band um are that these songs whether whether you think you understand the lyrics you know play in this day or maybe you don't Right. There's an emotional connection to the songs that make you feel a certain way. And I think that's also really important for what doom metal is, because I think doom metal is supposed to tap into this emotion, like, you know, we're all doomed. So what does that mean? What does that make you feel? And for me, like, anyone who knows me knows Iron Maiden is my favorite band in the whole world. Do I play like Nico on drums? No, of course not. <laughs> but the one thing I do look to them when it comes to, like, our own music is... um the fact that like when you hear maiden material even the newer stuff because i actually love the newer records too um one of the things that they're really good at doing is when they write like really great songs they always somehow feel familiar and and i don't mean to say that their music sounds samey what i mean to say is you'll hear a brand new maiden song and it's great and it kind of feels like an old friend Right, it yeah. feels like you're being revisited by like an old friend. There's like this familiarity to the musicality of what they do. Yeah, of course. And uh, and and that's kind of what I like. And I think sometimes musically, that's what we try to do too. Not only with the actual songwriting, but also when it comes to the performance. Whether it's you know for a doom band, I like to think we're pretty energetic. You'll you'll often find pictures of Brooks stomping and jumping around, and <laughs> you know it's the same with all of us. We like to move around, but. Um, when you when you hear our songs, the one thing I personally kind of wanted to communicate was this like, feeling of familiarity. Like, like you listen to these songs and you feel like you've heard them before, but you haven't, and you can't put your finger on why and where. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to the job that I think we've kind of pulled off when it comes to establishing some sort of like emotional connection with the listener. Um, and that again, going back to what Bruce is saying, kind of speaks to the the themes of. Um, the record and i mean also i i think anyone who knows us too knows like, like i said before we're not strictly doom guys so i think the way we approach this band live the way we approach this band in terms of writing the music or even just you know like i said performing it whatever um because we're not looking at doom and seeing what's been done there we're looking at other things and i think that's kind of what starts seeping into what we do and how we do it I got you. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I like that. Reaching outside. Well, I mean, and that's kind of that's kind of where I was going with the question too. And thank you for being so articulate about that. <laughs> As I know, it sounds ridiculous, but you'd be surprised if, if for with with you guys. All right, and this one, I, I specifically I want to hear from from you guys on this one because I know being in a being in a band and 
it can be you guys seem to get along first of all there's three of you without arguing so far so that's that's longer than i could make it in a band without arguing but is there, if if you could each if you could each make one rule in the band that everyone had to follow which would it be Ooh. oh everyone has a shower like that's pretty <laughs> common human decency <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I like the I like our our um, we we like I, I think I mentioned earlier. We, we handle things with a sort of division of labor that's somewhat understood. Yeah. Um, I I I think there's I think we're pretty conservative in as much as we know each person's role in that, and I think that that really works for us. Um, you know, I think. I, I would have no suggestions for for moving forward to our, you know, creating new rules for the rest of the band members would be, like, you know, only self-serving, in my opinion. Right, yeah. I was just trying to start you guys to have a fight. That's all. Just trying to, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, trying to start band, shit. We That's it. <laughs> we're all really, I think we're also all really diplomatic, especially the three of us. Like, the three of us are all, like, fairly diplomatic folks. Enrique has to do it for a job. <laughs> well with uh you, you, this one's coming out on as we mentioned before uh dark descent right and uh is this did they do out of the garden too yeah so how so where did where did this relationship come from and and uh they, they've got a they've got a great reputation too by the way so i'm wondering if 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 it's just as good as advertised on dark descent uh, so they got our demo. Steve and I were in a death metal band on one of their, their uh, sub-labels. And um, I sent the Crypt Sermon demo to Eric at Unspeakable Axe. Eric sent it over to Matt at Dark Descent. Matt reached out to us to release the demo on a tape and uh, full length when the time came. So that's really where the uh, the relationship started. Um, we knew Dark Descent was primarily a death metal label. Yeah, they yeah. kind of have their own sound. Um, I think m- many of us in the band are. I'm a big fan of death metal. Many of us are like into death metal. I mean, we in the band we all like all types of metal. I think we're just generally metal enthusiasts. Right. Um, but you know, I don't know if any of us have ever like death metal band that Steve and I were in was, was not a dark descent style death metal band. Um, so we weren't trying to get our death metal band on that label. Right. Um, it was just sort of, we just knew it was sort of an out of the outside the, the box sort of label, but we knew a good distro. Um, and they, they would really fight for us. Um, and, uh, and I mean, yeah, here we are. So I think, uh, you know, it's it's been the right place for us. Good, and and so you're you're gonna drop this on the what is the release date? I just saw it a second ago, September thirteenth. We talked about that earlier. And I think you mean to say Friday the thirteenth. Oh, Correct. what? Oh, you, you, oh yeah, oh yeah. Was it intentional? Did you guys do it on purpose? One hundred, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many metal bands are gonna drop an album on Friday the thirteenth this year? Um, at least one. Know. At I least know. at least Crip Sermon. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, so so you you're gonna do, the release date is September thirteenth, fr- Friday the thirteenth in September. Yeah, whatever. You, we know what I'm trying to say. And <laughs> yeah. and you got your record release shows uh, September sixth and October fourth in Philadelphia, and New York, respectively. And yeah. um, is there any is there anything more coming from Crip Sermon as far as touring? I know you mentioned you don't do much of that, but is there anything after we'll those play- shows? We'll play like a few other shows we have lined up in the future. Um, I have two kids, so touring is more challenging for me than for the rest of the guys. But, oh, uh, I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I have two, and I don't even go to shows anymore. So I, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, yeah, but um, things are gonna happen. Yeah, some cool stuff's gonna happen. We're definitely playing. I think uh, we're definitely playing Greece next year. Um, at up the hammers that's like you know some other cool stuff might happen right um we're trying to work it out right now you know awesome. we've got some yeah, really cool some, opportunities that we're trying table. to clear up yep that's exactly right well th- th- does this yeah. kind of does it kind of kick into uh, and does it kind of kick into gear more once when an album gets released you do, do offers start coming in is that is that yeah. the oh, way yeah. that works yeah that's that makes yeah, perfect that, sense oh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was it. That was it was wild because um, when Out of the Garden was released, it came out like about two weeks after my daughter was born. That's my first kid. Yeah, and it was like it was wild <laughs> because it was like I've got this new kid, and then all of a sudden we just start getting crazy offers. And I just, uh, I, you know, if, if the rate, uh, if the cool opportunities that we've been offered so far before this album are any indication. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of things lay on the horizon. Uh, shit will shit will open drop. up on this one. This it's a it's a go and rightfully so. It's a, it's a it's a very very good record, and I think I think uh, it's going to go over fantastically. And I thank you guys for coming on here to talk to me and spending hey, your wonderful you Monday night with me. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas. Is there anywhere, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find uh, anything Crip Sermon related, where they can maybe order the record, that, that kind of business? Let me sure, yeah. two things. Yeah, so there's, there's of course. Gonna be a, a, uh, there's going to be a, a um, special edition of the record available in the city of Philly at Vinyl Altar. I think you can order it through Vinyl Altar. That's a record store here yeah. in Philadelphia that sells just metal. I think they might sell punk, too. But uh, just the extreme varieties of music. So Vinyl Alter has their own limited pressing of the of the record. Nice. Limited to 100 um, copies, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very. Is is there a, is it is it a, a special color and all that? Yep. It's I a purple. So. It's a purple uh, LP purple variant. One. Yep. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very nice. All right. So Vinyl Alter, and uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Dark, Dark Descent for the pre-order. Okay. Dark Descent does the pre-order when when the album comes out and we'll have it in our hands so you can get it through our merch sites, which is Bandcamp. We just use Bandcamp as our as our vendor. I think that's the standard now, and I think it's probably a pretty good yeah. move, too. Yeah. All right. I send them all out myself. So all merch that you order through our Bandcamp takes a long time because it's my fault. Do you well? <laughs> do you write like? Do you write nice notes at least? I do, I do, I do. What can you like? Yeah. Can you say one of like what the nice notes would be just for me? 
Usually I have to write a note like, sorry, this took so long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right, that's fair. I'll take it. All right, guys. Thank thank you very much for talking to me. I appreciate your time, and and the, and I'm and I'm I'm not just kissing your ass about the new record being great. I really do enjoy it. So thank, thank you, thank you very much. All right, guys. Later. Bye. Take care. Have a good one. Man. You too. So there you go. That's my conversation with the fellas in Crypt Sermon. Again, that record is called the what is it? I, I get it wrong every time. The Ruin of Fading Light. Is that what it is? The ruins of fading light, pluralize the ruins. Many ruins of fading light. Anyway, it's uh, as I mentioned several times there, and as they mentioned several times there, it's a good record. Uh, I highly suggest you listen to it when it pops up on September 13th, Friday the 13th. How about that? I was going to toss in another Crypt Sermon song right there at the end of the interview, but I feel like I'm going to wait until I'm done telling you this. Bands, musicians, record labels, uh you want to send me songs go ahead and do it i will play them on the show i can tell you right now i just got i just got i i was very pleasantly surprised i just opened my email right before i went to record this and saw yet another um, submission from a band like no tomorrow that's the plug for them who uh they're not in this episode but hey good for you for sending shit in like no tomorrow um like no tomorrow like like no tomorrow you can also send your music in i will play it on the podcast i enjoy doing that that's one of my favorite things to do here so please don't be shy about it if you want to reach out to me for any reason at all i love seeing things in the email inbox so getting it out podcast at gmail.com um if uh if you um want to listen to new music which we all do right uh, go go to Spotify, find the Getting It Out playlist. Just search Getting It Out playlist. It's all it's it's around there somewhere. Um, I update update that usually every Sunday. Um, typically, fifteen songs. I always throw in one or two from upcoming guests, so you can uh, be a little detective and figure out who's coming up uh, that way. Or you can just uh, tune in every Friday. I drop each episode at five a.m. But you should know that by now. Um, not that that time matters. I, like, I don't think any of you are waiting for 5 a.m. You know, I, I don't imagine you being up Friday morning at 5 a.m. Like, just waiting. Like, refresh, refresh, refresh. That'd be ridiculous. I don't do that with my favorite podcast. I don't expect you to do it with this. But I do expect you to go to iTunes if you got it and give a five-star review. Five-star rating and hopefully a review, too. That shit helps. I know it doesn't seem like it, and I know it takes one second to do because I've done it for other people. You just do that real quick, and I appreciate it. But most importantly, what I rely on is your word of mouth and uh, telling people about about listening to the podcast and sharing it with them. Um, that goes for people who are on it, bands I play. It doesn't matter. Whatever. What's good for you is good for me. It's just getting it in front of people uh, or any people's ears, I guess, is uh, is more so what I mean. I also want you to go to my Instagram page at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast. Follow that. There's a Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash getting it out podcast. I want you to check out all the podcasts on Dark Satellite Media. Go to uh, the Dark Satellite Media group on Facebook. Just search that out, Dark Satellite Media on Facebook. And I believe the Instagram is at Dark Satellite Media. And the Twitter is like Dark Satellite Media 1 or something. By the way, Getting It Out Podcast is at Getting It Out Pod on Twitter. I've thrown a lot of things at you right here, right now. I get it. Before your reward, I'm going to give you 
yet another song from Crip's sermon off of the ruins of fading light this one is called key of solomon thank you for listening stick around for next week don't stick around that'd be weird nothing's gonna happen for a whole nother week but in a week i'll be back with a new episode featuring void king which is stoner what do they call it doom and roll band from uh from indianapolis indiana they're awesome i think you'll enjoy it especially if you like Crip's sermon ah that's it Hold on a second. What was that noise I just made? I don't even know where that noise before. I don't know where those two noises came from. Anyway, here is Key of Solomon by Crip Sermon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.